As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, Yovan, let's let's start talking a little bit here about um, where things are at. Um, you know, I think when you and I were looking ahead to this week, we thought, you know, every game might really matter. It felt like a really pivotal stretch for the Lakers, you know, in this um, – tooth and nail sort of fight for the play in and that has not proven to be the case we have reached meaningless basketball days again it's been a few years for the lakers since they uh have had that at the end of a season um go back to 2019 lebron's first year when the lakers missed the playoffs and uh they shut lebron down for the last half dozen games or so um uh, although ironically the lakers would have made the play in if it existed in 2019 but uh with, you know, kind of where we are now, I think we can sort of, you know, start looking beyond this season. These final three games are a formality, um, you know, only minor uh, topics of intrigue, including, you know, do LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russ play again? Uh, does, does LeBron um, make a push for the scoring title? Um, what are the optics of that? But I do, uh, I do, I do want to kind of get your, your sense of just sort of, uh, the state of things right now when, you know, this is not where we thought the Lakers were going to be even, you know, um, a week ago, a week ago, we were going into that game against the, uh, against the, uh, the Pelicans at home, when it felt like the Lakers still had life. And, you know, like you, I think I fully expected the Lakers to win that game just because I did not see them going meekly. And, you know, that's sort of a fool me once, fool me twice, fool me, you know, 48 times sort of thing with this Lakers team. But um, because of LeBron, you kind of had some confidence that they were going to, you know, salvage something from this season. And that just ended up not being the case. So, um, you know, we're going to take questions here. We're going to, you know, see what's on everyone's mind. But just wanted to, uh, Yovan, get your opening thoughts on kind of what the state of things is. The state of things is uh, disastrous right now. <laughs> like. I really think like it's it's kind of shocking to me and and you know I, I think you and I have always kind of been realistic about the expectations with this team or or at least tried to be but like the bottom fell out so quickly um and and really it was like you know okay they'll probably be okay they'll probably be in, like a few weeks ago it was like okay they'll probably be in the plan and then it was kind of like okay they're gonna be jockeying with New Orleans for like the ninth seed and then it was like okay well they're not going to drop out of the plane. Like they'll, they'll at least be the 10 seed. They'll probably be favored at against new Orleans if they're at full strength. And like, they, they have a shot to, to at least be the eight seed, maybe give Phoenix a, a, you know, push them or five or six games or something, best case scenario. in like the first round, 
then it was like, like the Spurs weren't even trying to really win. Like the, the Spurs, yeah. have, you know, the Spurs have incentive to miss the play-in and, and and improve their lottery odds. And obviously, you know, it might be Pop's last season, so that there's something there where maybe there's like a pride element of of Pop wanting to go out at least with some respectability. But like, you know, and, and until recently, the Lakers had a um, and it still might be the case. They, they had a worse record than Portland, who is doing one of those blatant tank jobs down the stretch yeah. here, uh, like post-All-Star break. So, like, it just kind of how things have been unraveling all season progressively. But but really, the last few weeks, it, it hit a different tempo it, just in terms of how much was going wrong all at the same time. So I think how quickly the season got fully derailed was, was shocking to me. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're not in a good place. This is... Basically, everything that can go wrong has gone wrong this season, and some of it is self-inflicted. Some of it is out of their control, like the injuries. But uh, I definitely think the Lakers need a a reset this offseason. And, you know, you're probably going to see a a big move with Russell Westbrook. You're going to see a new coach. You're going to see probably an all-new supporting cast. And, um, you know, going into next season with some of the same things of, like, can we build continuity? Can we stay healthy? But, yeah, I mean, I I think some big changes on the horizon for this offseason. So let's um, let's get into questions because we've got a lot of people in here now and you, you guys who are listening have the ability to chime in, ask us a question. You could drop it in the chat or um, I don't even know, is it like raising your hand on Zoom? Um, you, and, and we can call on you and you can ask us a question and participate that way. Uh, so it, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take the first question. It's from uh, Ashraf, um, who I am looping in now. Uh, go ahead and uh, and let us know what's on your mind. Um, hi guys, I had a question for you in terms of uh, LeBron James and him sitting out, um, you know, particularly the Denver Nuggets game and then again in the Phoenix game, um, especially since it didn't seem that his ankle, it didn't seem like he re-aggravated his ankle. So how much of that do you think is is that he, 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 his ankle is seriously hurt? And how much of that do you think maybe he looked at the team and its overall trajectory and just said, you know what, it's, it's, it's really not worth it? Um, and the reason why I say this, the, the reason why I put this out there is because of just the, the tug and forth that he seems to have had with the front office and, and, and Palenka and not making any moves at the trade deadline. And of course, the comments that he made after the Milwaukee Bucks game in terms of him mm-hmm. thinking that they weren't at, at that championship level. Uh, so I, I maybe I'm just a, an old softy on this subject, but like, I don't, first of all, I think that the comments and everything from the all-star break, um, I mean, those are not irrelevant by any stretch. I think there is still truth in sort of that, that tension and we're going into a pretty pivotal off season, but I don't think that we're in a situation where like LeBron basically threw in the towel when there was still a, you know, somewhat doable path to the postseason against Denver. What I know is I talked to LeBron on his way out of the building on Friday after that Pelicans game when he played 40 minutes. And I asked him, like, can you play at noon on Sunday? And he looked at me and said something like, you know, listen, if this was a back to back, I could not play because of because of how how messed up my ankle is. And so then you go, well, that's only you know, basically 12 more hours of rest and rehab. It's a full night, but that's around the clock sort of, you know, rehab. I take him at his word that his ankle is, uh, is that serious. Same with the Phoenix game. Now we are, you know, 
a week, almost two weeks removed from the initial injury, you know, could he play against the Warriors if the Lakers were really in a playoff push? I don't know the answer. My guess would probably be yes. Um, but, but um, I do think the game that you're, you're referencing, you know, I think that really was more about, about his health and his ability to perform would be my, um, would be my read on that. Yovan, anything different on that? Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I think once they lost that Pelicans game, I, I think there was probably an element for him of like, what what is the point of risking further injury? Like they weren't technically eliminated yet, but you know the writing was kind of on the wall of just they basically have to win out at that point and and hope San Antonio doesn't win a couple games. And and then once San Antonio won uh, that game in Denver, and obviously they were eliminated in Phoenix, like it just I, I think. And I think LeBron has, I mean, he, it's crazy because he's still been putting up insane numbers and, and you know, really just coasting to, to I think he's had 35 plus in, in five or six straight games. But there have been moments where he's looked gimpy and, and not quite yeah. at the AD level where, where AD's been lumbering up and down the floor. But like there were some stretches in some of those games where LeBron just could not move. And, um, you know, I think so like. It, it, you kind of forget that because he's LeBron and, and he's a superhuman and he's still putting up big numbers. But like, I don't think he looked a hundred percent in any of those yeah. games by any means physically. So I think at some point it just became, what is the point of pushing it another game or two when we've like, we've lost our two biggest games of the season for the Pelicans. And really there's no indication we're going to win another meaningful game. So kind of what's the point? Yeah. I, again, I think if he could have played on Sunday against the Nuggets, that was probably the last, you know, the last line of hope, I think you would have played in that one. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we got some questions coming in through the chat. Um... You know, some of them I think we can kind of check off pretty quickly. Others might require a little more depth and nuance. Um, Lakers, uh, chances of getting a deal for Dame, uh, zero. Um, uh, I don't know who replaces Frank Vogel. I mean, some of the names that are out there make a lot of sense. Quinn Snyder, if he does leave Utah, like, that's fascinating to me just because, just because. there is a history with the Lakers. There's a history with Rob Palinka. Um, you know, I think there's a, a relationship there, but I do um, – I wonder about the personality fit where Quinn Snyder is a very intense, you know, sort of, um, you know, it manages his team, you know, as the CEO of his roster and the Lakers have, um, you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen in Rob and Frank Vogel. And is that something that Quinn Snyder would be, would be into? I don't know the answer, but that's one of the questions I have. Um, you know, uh, Daniel asked about the, uh, the, the Charlotte rumors, Yovan, that I think uh, Mark Stein put out there and, you know, the idea of the Lakers maybe being able to trade Russ to to Charlotte. Um, I am pretty in favor at this point of any deal that brings back a handful of um, of role players, you know, mid-level players who the Lakers can fill out a roster with. 
Um, yeah. If you know, I think we've seen that the super top heavy, you know, three max players and a bunch of you know everybody else's discards and minimum contract guys did not work. We've seen the other model work. Um, so listen, I I is if if there was a version of a deal that got the Lakers Gordon Hayward, and I'm not entirely sure why the the Hornets would do that, but if that existed, um, one I love Gordon Hayward. I agree he has injury issues, um, but you know he's a playmaking forward who um, you know can also space the floor around LeBron. Uh, you know I think he'd be great with the Lakers. I thought he'd be great with the Lakers for for years. So if something like that existed, um, I I approve. But Jovan, let's expand this. Like we, you know our of the same mind that the Lakers are going to go into the off season looking for something different with regards to Russ. Um, I'm not in favor of a buyout, you know, a stretch or a stretch and buyout, buyout and stretch. Um, You know, you, there are scenarios we could trade him in space. What do you see as like the three most plausible Russell Westbrook uh, destinations? I think, I guess, you know, I, I trust Mark Stein's reporting, obviously, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to include Charlotte in there. Um, I think New York and, and that rumored deal that had initially been some form of Fournier and Kemba, uh, you know, Julius Randle seems to be very unhappy there. Is that something that the Knicks would be interested in? Uh, you know, I, I do think Russ and, and Tom Thibodeau, even though Russ – uh, let's say isn't the most interested defender uh, at all times. I think there's kind of a natural pairing there, um, you know, personality-wise to, to some extent. But uh, and then I think the other one is just in terms of the math, you know, and, and making it work. Uh, Houston and and John Wall and him going back there and then you know them potentially maybe using him similar to the way OKC has used Kemba and Al Horford as kind of these taking on these massive contracts, getting back an asset, and then potentially flipping them uh, down the road for something else. So uh, I guess there's always OKC as well, uh, where you know they have a lot of assets and, and are continuing to accumulate more. So I think, like, I, I, I guess really, though, it, what's interesting is, like, aside from New York, who I think would really be trying to uh, hype up like, you know, Russ, Mr. Triple Double and, and right. you know, you know, him in transition on Broadway and, and stuff like that. Like the other situations would primarily be financially driven and, right. and, and more of, of salary cap, uh, you know, kind of flexibility and, and, and sort of asset accumulation. Like I, I'm really hard pressed to find a, an actual team that can look at the Russell Westbrook that we've seen these last few years and be like, this guy is going to elevate us because he couldn't, he, he couldn't elevate the Lakers without LeBron and AD. Right. Like, and, and it's like, yes, he, he had some good moments in Washington, some good moments in Houston in the second half of those seasons. But like, I, I don't even know, like, I think going into the season, people were kind of saying, Russ is good. If you, if you want to be like an eight seed and, and he can lead you there. I don't even know if that's true anymore. Like, right. I, I, I don't think it's true anymore. Like, I, I think like if you put him on Orlando, maybe they're like the 12 seed instead of the, the 14 seed. Like I, I don't, I, but I, I don't see a marginal improvement. So it, it is fascinating because not only does he have this albatross contract, which yes, it's expiring, but it's still a lot of money to be taking on. It, it's really hard to make the salaries work, but, but two there's, you're not like getting this like in, in improvement of, of your team. If anything, yeah. you, you could be getting worse yeah. just the way that he's ball dominant, inefficient, etc. So, um, I guess my top three would, would probably be, uh, again, Houston, 
New York and Charlotte uh, based on what I've heard and what other people have reported. I like Indiana too. If, if Indiana was looking looking to um, you know really shed salary, um, you know they have they have some pieces you know centered around Malcolm Brogdon that would obviously be pretty appealing to the Lakers as well. Uh, I want to get to Jeremy who has a question in the audience because I, I do want to incentivize people asking questions uh, verbally. It's fun to talk to you guys. I mean it's a pretty you know one way relationship when we're writing stories and, and you guys are on the other side reading it. So if if you have questions, I mean please talk to us. I mean we'd love to you know. Um, to chat with you guys that way. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, you are, the floor is now yours. Just uh, a couple of questions, if I could. Um, I guess the first one would be, how far back do you think you have to go for a season that's been as disappointing as this one is, mm-hmm. um, as far as uh, in recent Laker history? And then the second one would be, all these things, um, here in, you know, of course, Russell, but even AD coming out saying he doesn't think um, that he will get traded. You know, all these, all these mm-hmm. things with LeBron is, is dysfunction with the organization even worse than, than people even realize, or how would you guys characterize that? My question. Yeah. Appreciate okay. it. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the first part of that, I think the, the obvious candidates are the last two times the Lakers went the, the super team route and failed. 2012-13 with Dwight and, and Nash, but that team at least figured it out, right? Like that team turned the corner, you know, came roaring up the standings at the end of the regular season. And then Kobe, of course, had the you know, unfortunate injury that, you know, more or less signaled the end of his career. So I'd say like that total experience, including losing Kobe to such a severe injury was, you know, disappointing relative to expectations. But there was at least a stretch where you're like, this team is is awesome. This team could maybe do it. Get them to the playoffs and let's see. This Lakers team has never done that. And, you know, it's, you know, what's funny is, you know, people talk about, well, well, last year the Lakers needed time to figure things out too. There was a time in last year when the Lakers looked like the best team in the Western Conference. That has never existed this season. There was never a point. There was never like a 5-10 game stretch where you're like, this is the best team in the West or the best team in the league. They never got there. So I don't know if there has. I, I am pretty firmly, and maybe there are more better historians out there than me, I think this is the, the worst, you know, this, the greatest disappointment in Lakers history. You know, you consider the, the investment in players, the fact you're getting a, you know, a pretty dominant LeBron James at 37 years old. And, and this is the result is to me um, about as bad as it can get, because not only do you, you know, not achieve that ultimate goal, you don't even put yourself in a position by making the playoffs. So I think I think this is the worst. Yeah, I mean, you, you can make the case it's it's the worst in NBA history. Right. Uh, Stat News had uh, you know tweeted it out and, and I quoted it in my most recent story, like going back to 1984, 85. That was the first time that they started doing the, the Vegas uh, preseason favorites. And since that season, so that's gone back uh, almost 40 years, uh, the, the top two teams entering the season have always made the playoffs. This is the first time in NBA history, and, and the Lakers were the number two favorite behind Brooklyn entering the season. This is the first time <laughs> during that 40, you know, 37 year stretch where the, one of the top two teams did not make the postseason. And, and so that, that in and of itself, I think my, my one thing with, with 2012-13 versus this team is that I, I – and maybe th- this is my own personal bias kind of coming in. Like I was personally much higher on the 2012-13 fit. 
Um, you know, I, I think Dwight Howard coming off of a finals run a few years earlier, you still had the, the, the Kobe Powell core. You, you still had Steve Nash, who had been playing at a, at a high level, albeit into his late 30s and, and obviously had the back issues. But like when that happened, you know, people were saying Lakers heat finals like this is. A, and I know there was some of that s- similar sentiment, but but I think enough smart people around the NBA were very skeptical about the Russell Westbrook fit. And, and not to this extent, you know, I, I think that missing the plan is obviously a disaster, but there were enough people that were like, the Lakers are like the fourth or fifth best team in the West. They're not the best team in the West. And like, yeah, betters are saying that. And that's what Vegas is saying. But like, there were enough, in my opinion, smart people who were kind of skeptical of Russ is like the worst fitting star you could put around LeBron and AD. Whereas I do think that 2012-13 team, even though they made the playoffs, even though they were a seven seed, uh, you know, they, they were swept in the first round. And of, of course, that was because Kobe tore his Achilles and he was out. But I, I think like that team on paper looked like they could challenge the Heat, looked like they could make a finals run. This team, I, I think there there was a healthy level of skepticism for people who did not have purple colored you know glasses on. So I, Mike, I think- I'm going to inter- I'm going to interrupt you because I think that we also I think more than like the 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 critical analysis that you're referring to i think we also have to judge like the level of disappointment against what the lakers themselves sold this as and yeah. they believed that this was a championship team and so even if that was completely delusional which maybe speaks to the second half of of the question about dysfunction um it, it, even if it was delusional it was what they believed why they spent you know into the luxury tax why they um you know traded key key pieces to go get Russell Westbrook because they thought this was going to work, which was so completely wrong. Um, as to the level of dysfunction, I'm just going to say that we will find out more this summer. Seeing how the Lakers respond to this sort of season and what changes happen internally um, and and how they manage this offseason, I think will, will tell us a lot. There was a question in the chat about whether um, we were moving toward a full flush of, you know, you know, the front office I don't think we're there yet. You know, I think Jeannie Buzz had, still has a lot of faith and um, trust in Rob Palinka. I think if you had just a, you know, a GM who was Joe Schmo, who'd been hired off, you know, hired from a you know, assistant GM from another team who'd been hired in 2017, maybe there would be a little less patience. But like the personal history between Jeannie Buss and obviously Kobe, but also Rob Palinka is a factor in her um, uh willingness to stick by him. And I've just gotten no sign, especially with a couple of years left on his contract. I think it's $9 million over, over two years. Um, I don't think the Lakers are uh, ready to make that change, but uh, this is a pivotal off season coming up. Um, we've got a couple of questions that I want to get to. Um, I'm going to say it's on a rude. If that's correct, incorrect, please tell me, but um, please tell us what's on your mind. Um, so I wanted to ask about um, the whole sort of, um, the, your read and how uh, if Pelinka is going to sort of consult AD and LeBron throughout the season anymore because uh, considering how this season's gone and the whole fit around LeBron and AD because th- this was basically LeBron's team I- if I may um, mm-hmm. where he wanted Westbrook where AD wanted Westbrook and you know all, all Ariza and basically everyone was sort of cherry picked by LeBron to some extent um, so what do you think the control would be in terms of uh, the pieces LeBron would want? Like, would, would Pelinka go to the, to the extent where he, he consults and to a large extent sort of takes the opinions of them? Or 
or do you think they're going to sort of go their own way and like decide what they want to do? I think it's a great question. And I think that that speaks a little bit to my answer previously, where we're going to see this summer. I, I, my guess would be that LeBron is going to remain. I mean, we're talking about LeBron James and, you know, who has, you know, who, who's, whose agency clutch, you know, with Rich Paul has become very intertwined with the Lakers front office. Um, you know, you hear the way Rob Polinka talks about those partnerships. I think that there is, you know, going to still be a, a heavy involvement by LeBron. You know, and I, I think, you know, there's responsibility to go all around on, on, the, on the Westbrook trade. I mean, LeBron, uh, you know, Clutch, Rob Palinka signing off on the deal, thinking it was a good deal when others in the organization did not think it was a good deal and did not make the Lakers better. So, I mean, Palinka, you know, you know, forging ahead with that when there were dissenters does tell you, I mean, it was in part his decision. Um, I am curious, though, almost, I feel like there will, all, there will be a human element to be a little more skeptical of what LeBron brings to the table in free agency or uh, in terms of an overall strategy this summer after last year went so sideways. Not that LeBron, you know, controlled the puppet strings necessarily, but, you know, he had a big influence, as you alluded to. And I just I wonder if Rob might if if Rob might be a little more um, hesitant to go all in on what LeBron believes. But, you know, at the same time, there's going to be really few options for this summer. And I am fascinated to see if the Lakers do even, you know, I know the Lakers have long valued that 2023 cap space, try to, you know, have as much flexibility as possible for 2023. Um, do they try to maintain that this summer or do they sort of in desperation and, and knowing the clock is ticking on LeBron, do they take on some of those longer term contracts like we were talking about before, whether it was, you know, from Charlotte or, um, or, uh, or Indiana. So I, my my gut on that would be that LeBron remains a pretty major player in those discussions, but there's probably a human element where it becomes a little more, um, maybe a little more uh, cautious. Um, you know, if you don't mind, I'm going to keep it moving here and go to Joshua and and see what see what he's thinking too. Yep. Hello. Um, Hi, Joshua. Um, I've been following this Lakers season ad nauseum. Just <laughs> all, all, all I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Too. Me too. I'm really sorry too. And if, I'm, <laughs> if you're sorry, and I'm sorry, and most of Lakers Nation is sorry, well, the then, team's been pretty sorry this year too. Well, then here's the question: Why not just blow it up? Right? Yeah. I genuinely mean that. Why not just blow it up? I get it. LeBron and Clutch and Anthony Davis. Like, I, I mean this in the nicest possible, most courteous way. But who gives a fuck? I'm genuinely asking. <laughs> Why? Who cares? Trade with Brooklyn and get get whoever. Like, get whatever young assets that you possibly can. And, like, trade with the Knicks. Trade with some desperate team begging to be relevant. I wouldn't be scared. If I were, if I were the Lakers, I wouldn't be scared to clear everybody. I wouldn't be scared to trade Anthony Davis because I'm worried about his injury history. I wouldn't be scared to trade LeBron because he's 37 years old, about to be 38. I get it that he had a great year. He better. The whole team revolves around him. I wouldn't be scared to trade Westbrook, although I don't think you can get anything for Westbrook except for John Wall. So what's the point? The point is, if you know that you have these three sort of albatrosses and they all combine to make – 100 and whatever million dollars right just clear them all just clear them all seriously don't just bottom the fuck out because i think your picks start to come back to you or is that am i wrong on that are there 2027 2027 okay so it'll be 2023 you're gonna have all the cap space in the world i mean i'd love to rebuild around ad but how can you have any confidence whatsoever 
in his back, in his injury history. I mean, is, is there any reason to – thanks for taking my call here. I just I, – I, like, I would rather bottom out. I, I'd rather bottom out. I'd rather restart. What, is, what do you guys think? First of all, I love this question. Um, and I have various <laughs> times um, over the last few years uh, sort of subscribed to Joshua's uh, theory here. Not here's, – here's why you don't do it, I guess I'll say. Because, one, the Lakers have made such a big investment in LeBron James. He's made such a big investment to them. I think there's genuine fear of what um, message that would send to future stars. You, your whole future is sort of built on the idea of, of you know, if it's, if, it's, if it's not LeBron and AD, who's that next superstar? Because it's probably not going to be through the draft. So who's going to come in free agency? And if you, you know, because LeBron got a little bit older or because AD had some injuries, just trade everyone. Well, is John Morant going to feel as secure signing here as a free agent when the time comes? And again, that's just an example of whoever that is. But from a genuine basketball team management standpoint, what you're saying is not wrong. If your championship window has closed, and Yovan, I'm going to let you weigh in on this. Yeah, I, I would say I still personally believe in the LeBron 80 core. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I look back at last season, 21 and 7 before 80 goes down. They're up 2-1 in the first-round series against Phoenix. Like, last year's team, I think, if healthy, you know, could have made a run in the postseason. Would they have beat Milwaukee? Would they have Would they have beaten Phoenix? You know, like, I think they're a different seed if they're healthy, though. So I don't think they're playing Phoenix in the first round. But, like, I think the, the what-if game, you could play it with last year's team. This year's team, I don't think it really matters. I think if even if they were healthy, they're like a 45-1 team, maybe like the sixth seed or something in like a best-case scenario. Like there, there was a clear ceiling to to this year's team based on just role-player regression and, and sort of the, the way that the pieces just did not fit. Um, but I, I still think like with, with the way that – like LeBron just had his best offensive season in L.A., and arguably his best offensive season since his last year in, in Cleveland the first time around. Uh, 80, yes, you know, the, the injuries have been a concern, and, and that is something to factor in. But, like, if the Lakers can put him on a load management program, maybe he loses um, some of the muscle and, and weight that he gained and, and kind of gets back to more of that mobile, um, you know, thinner player. Like, I, I just think – I think this was such a disaster primarily because of – how poor of a fit Russell Westbrook was. And, and not only was he a poor fit, but because of politics, the Lakers had to commit to 30 to 34 minutes a night of that and, and continue to start him despite all of yep. the data and everything just showing how, how negative of a player he was this season. So I, I really think that, um, you know, just there, there's an addition by subtraction element to trading Westbrook, even if he's on the roster next season, just not playing him and not having him just be part of the rotation like that to me would be uh, an addition by subtraction so to me I, I really blame like yes there were injuries and, and yes they, they didn't build out the best roster but first and foremost the, the Russell Westbrook trade was a anchor on the entire season and and that to me is where I, I put most of the blame on this season so um, I, I guess for me like I still believe in LeBron and AD I think they, they can upgrade on, on, on the coaching maybe and upgrade the supporting cast, at least compared to this season. And if you do those two things, I think you enter next season at least with a shot to maybe not win 
60 games or even 55 games, but but maybe get back into that 48 to 52 win range and, and be a, a fringe contender at least. Um, okay, we're going to get through a few more questions here, and then Jovan yeah. and I are going to have to uh, head, head, head to the arena, um, uh, although I'm making you pay for the Uber this time, Jovan. Um, uh, I also saw that Joshua had another question, and I'm tempted just to skip to him again. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's give Robert a chance here. Um, Robert, what are, what's on your mind? Um, and, and good luck topping Joshua's question. Hey, I, I'm not sure I'll be able to do that. Here's my <laughs> question. It's a little bit more long term. You've been talking a lot about how clutch sports has gotten really involved with the Lakers. And a lot of that has come from the fact that LeBron is coming was a big pull. So I'm curious how eventually, whether it's this year demanding a trade or next year in free agency or a couple years later, LeBron's eventually going to leave. I'm curious how you see the relationship of clutch sports playing out once that happens and what impact you think it might have on the Lakers. Well, I think the ideal scenario is that it remains a positive uh, relationship that if, if it gets to a, 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 if a time comes where LeBron um, wants out, you know, it becomes a mutually beneficial thing where, you know, he's leaving to go somewhere to play with his son or to go back to Cleveland and, you know, there's no hard feelings. Um, and so if that happens, then if you're the Lakers, you've got this great history built with a real power player in the NBA who's got lots of great you know, clients coming coming down the pipe and coming up through the league, either in other markets or via the draft. And he's going to want to work with the Lakers to, to get them talent. So I think ideally you 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 continue to water that that garden. And um, that's part of why you don't just you know pull the rug out from under LeBron and trade him to Indiana um, like Joshua would, would favor. Um, but. I so I think I think ideally it stays it stays super positive. Um, but you see this, right? You see this like when when Kobe Bryant was represented by Rob Palinka, when I first started covering the Lakers in 2013, there were six guys represented by Priority Sports, uh, which is Rob or which is Rob Palinka at the time. So it was um, it was uh, or Landmark, right? Landmark. Um, and that was you know your Chris Kamen, Wesley Johnson type guys who who rounded out the roster. So to me. Um, you know, you see this a little bit with you, where you've got a bunch of clutch guys on the roster now. But to, the, to me, I mean, ideally, it remains a really positive working relationship. And, and you don't have that those hard feelings that you would risk by, you know, um, suddenly suddenly trading anybody. Um, uh, Hari, what's what's on your mind, Hari? Hi, guys. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we sure can. OK, just um, I want to say I know we, we have an unforgettable season um, in the last 10 years, yes, sir, with the biggest stars on the planet. Okay, uh, just this is my small question. <clears throat> uh, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, why don't we forecast for next? I mean, I know it's it's a little bit tough on forecasting for next two, three years with the, without having any picks. Why don't we keep, I mean, uh, because we have a, a couple of years for LeBron, why don't we trade AD? and get uh, some decent players like uh, Jalen Brown with Celtics. I know Celtics will do it or we're not going to do it. That's another story. But why don't we try that way so that we can get some picks back and we can offload the brittle AD uh, and then we can play a little, uh, little bit regularly on the season. So, you know, uh, if you could answer me that, I'm, I'm going to be happy. All right. Um... I'll take this one because Bill, Bill and I were actually just talking about this a, a couple hours ago um, where I, I plan on writing this, so I, I don't want to give away my entire story yet. But I, I'm personally uh, against trading AD only because, well, for, for a couple of reasons. One, I think you're, you're selling him at his lowest point 
and, and I don't I don't even know if you could get a Jalen Brown for Anthony Davis right now, um, given the, the, the way that the last couple of years have gone injury wise. Um, I mean, maybe maybe Boston does that. But the, I mean, the other element here is, you know, similar to some of the stuff we've been discussing earlier, like there's the clutch in LeBron dynamic. And is LeBron OK with Anthony Davis being traded? Is clutch OK with Anthony Davis being traded? And you're not just going to dump Anthony Davis in Orlando or Detroit or, or one of like, he's going to have some level of say over where he goes. I, I think so you would have to have kind of eighties buy-in to, to going somewhere else. You'd have, you'd have to have LeBron being on board with it. And now maybe you just blow it up. Like, like Joshua said, and, and kind of go in a different direction. But I think realistically, if you are saying we're continuing to build around AD, we're continuing to prioritize this relationship with clutch sports. I don't think you just you just trade Anthony Davis anywhere. Then I also don't think you're going to necessarily get the best return for AD. And yeah, if Boston's willing to trade like Jalen Brown and Robert Williams for Anthony Davis, sure, you know, that that's something you, you entertain. But I don't see Boston doing that. And, um, you know, I still think like uh Anthony Davis at his peak is in that conversation for a, a top 10 player in the NBA. And I know we have not seen that player consistently the last couple of years, uh, both due to injuries and just due to a bit of an on-court malaise at times it, it felt like from him. But, you know, the, the guy that we saw in the bubble, I, I still think is there. I, I still think we've seen stretches of it. Even this season earlier, right before his injury, I thought he was playing some of the best basketball he's played as a Laker. So I, I think, you know, if, if you can find a way to kind of rehab his trade value, then I'd be more open to it. But it's also one of those situations where you're not trading him for like young guys and, and picks like you're still contending with LeBron James. So you need another guy in the same realm as Anthony Davis. So, again, maybe that is a Jalen Brown um, if Boston's willing to do that. But, you know, remember, AD didn't want to go to Boston in the first place. Boston was already trying to trade for him. So um, I think that that's something to just kind of consider is like, you're not trading him at his peak value, and you also have the LeBron and clutch dynamic where he's not just going to go anywhere. Yeah, uh, agree with agree there, uh, Mick. Uh, why don't we, we try to get to a few more people here? Go ahead, Mick. Hello, sorry, can you hear me? Hi, hi. Sure can. Yeah, so great. I'm. Thanks. Love your work. Um, I'm basically struggling here with people that think that you can just trade off all these players and get assets back. The Lakers front office, including the Westbrook deal, have screwed up at every point. The only thing that they've gotten or done was because of LeBron. They got LeBron and they got AD. The Westbrook deal, sure, maybe you can put that on LeBron, but he didn't put the pieces together. He didn't make the trade. Like, like I, I honestly can't believe that Rob Plinka still has a job. Like, if I'm the Lakers, you ha you have to go the course. There's no way that you can allow this man to continue to be the GM. He, they, they, they lost all these players to bring in Westbrook. But then even on top of that, what could have been seen as money-saving moves, they dropped their center. They just let him go. Like, they just blow $8 million. Like, he does not know what he's doing. And you can't put someone like that in charge of a rebuild. It doesn't work. Like replacing the coach, sure, maybe you get three or four more wins max. That's not going to change anything. The big gambles pay off when people are healthy and you lose when they're not. And this team is all formatted on LeBron and AD being healthy and putting players around them. They haven't been healthy. 
this isn't the most disappointing team in the world. No one thought they were going to win the second they made that Westbrook. They were like slated for 50 wins. Palinka is not good at his job. You know, can like, I just want to hear like some comments about like Palinka and his like job performance because it's been horrific. Yeah, I'm probably going to try to be a little diplomatic on this just because that is somebody I have to talk to in my job. But I've written, I've listened, I've, I've written that that is um, as bad of a, a, a trade as, as there's been in NBA history uh, for the reasons that you just outlined. It, it was a complete misfire. Um, and there have been little things along the way, just around the, along the margins that do speak to sort of an inexperienced front office or, you know, maybe it's too many voices. Um, you know, I thought Eric Pincus from Bleacher Report wrote a really uh, good breakdown of some of the mistakes that have been made over the years, just really even down to minor things. Like the reason Taylor Horton Tucker had to be paid last summer was that the Lakers um, signed him only to a two-year contract instead of a, you know, I guess a three plus one uh, as a second, as a second round draft pick, which would have him still on, you know, a rookie scale contract right now. Instead, he's chewing up $10 million of that valuable uh, cap real estate. So um, I think, I think that there are a lot of things to critique about Rob's tenure. I think I've addressed why, you know, he has a job um, and, you know, the confidence that Jeannie still has in him and kind of that brain trust with, um, with Kurt Rambis. But I, I do think that there is a, I do feel like there's a little bit more of an urgency on Rob's part to, to start showing some of that, you know, some of those smarts and, you know, he's a really smart guy. By all, I mean, he's a smart, he's a, he's a real super smart guy, works really hard. But if the results aren't there, then eventually the, the chickens will come home to roost. I'm going to go to uh, Temadayo again. If I said that incorrectly, please tell me. But uh, if you have a question, go ahead. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Um, so I have like two questions. Um, a comment on Pelinka and then a question or like a comment on like the West, the whole Westbrook deal in general. Um, first thing I'll say about Pelinka is one, you were right when you said that out, like across the margins. The first thing is, you make a trade for um Daniel Schroeder, right? You give up a first round pick. Yeah. Then you make a trade. Then you don't bring him back. You don't extend him. You let him go for nothing. You make a trade for another for another point guard to go with LeBron and AD. You give up another first round pick, and then in the same like to replace a a player that you could have just extended or found a deal to bring him back to that probably been a better fit out than whatever Westbrook has been this season. Mm-hmm. So just, that's just another example as long as well as the the THT example yeah. of like, those are the type of deals where you have to be shrewd. You're coming, you're going up against like GMs that are like killer. They don't want to give up yeah. any advantage they have. So like giving up first round picks that easy, giving up like losing assets in which you've like invested in is pretty rough to like recover from is what I would say. And then, just secondly, on, like, the whole Westbrook this summer thing is, is, I don't know why, like, a lot of people, I guess, just over the internet or, like, just a bunch of fans don't understand the, like, value of, like, $47 million in, like, expiring money has around the league, really. Because, like, for the Lakers, really, I was, I, this is second-hand information, but I, I think it to be correct, is you can take back as much as $53 million in salary coming back for trading someone like Westbrook's contract for a mm-hmm. team that's looking to extend players in the summer or like extend players for multiple years going forward, or like a team that doesn't want to play, pay the repeater tax or things they are going to pay the tax in the future. So doesn't want to get into the tax early is like a big deal. You can get a lot. So that's why if you, if you move that with 
just if you just had someone that would that was a little bit more cutthroat in like those type of dealings would be able to take this Westbrook deal and like be able to get three, four, five players back, even if you have to involve like a third or fourth team, it's something that can be done. So that's why I believe that like not if Pelika is the smart person, like he, you don't get to be GM of the Lakers, but sorry, president of basketball operations of the Lakers without being Vice smart, president. But I just feel as if he needs to be smarter in what he does. And like this summer is really big because I personally believe the Westbrook contract is an asset in this summer, really. I, I think that's a really astute observation. And I, you know, it's just the pro it's an asset this summer, but you, it, there's only a handful of teams I think that are willing to absorb $47 million to get no, to get nothing out of it for the year that are just basically punting on next year. So you need to identify the teams around the league that are, are basically punting on 2022, 23. And that's why Indiana kind of stands out. Um, and, and, uh, Oklahoma city as well. Um, you know, although Oklahoma City, I guess, is going to have to kick it into, uh, you know, drive at some point. But I think that's true. I think that the, the longer you have Westbrook on the roster, the the more value that contract um, has. Like, if you can get that contract to, you know, the trade deadline somehow, I mean, it would have a lot more value. But I don't think the Lakers can afford to wait that long. Um, Jovan, we've got to go to this game, but I want to get your thoughts on, on that observation uh, before we uh, head out of here. Yeah, I, I, I think... You know, the, and, and there's other factors here where I, I really don't see Russ turning down his, his player option. But, um, you know, he doesn't strike me as someone who wants to sit on the sidelines either for next season. Right. Um, you know, I, I know he, he's kind of had his comments about how his family and, and, and certain things off the court are, are just as important, if not more than, than basketball. But like, I, I still think this is a guy who wants to play next season. So I think. You know, th this is the type of stuff that, that gets worked out with, with players and agents. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's ultimately going to have much of a say in, in where he goes, but I think he will at least be involved in the conversation to some extent. So um, I think that's kind of an, another thing to factor in with, with the rest of the deal. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think if, if you have a team that is looking just to, you know, they're, they're tanking, they're, they're rebuilding, they don't really care about being competitive, I think that Westbrook expiring deal can have some value. It's just, it's a lot of money. So it is kind of tough to get to that figure. And, and you also have to find, you know, provide the Lakers with something and, and maybe they just take whatever you can offer. But I think the Lakers also have to be careful not to take on too much bad salary and, you know, yeah. and take on a multi-year situation that, that kind of hampers their books moving forward. Yeah, so you, you don't want to compound the issues you have even more. And like there is yeah. as much as the Lakers are in a dire position now, they do have, you know, you know, they do have that cap space in 2023 to sort of recalibrate um, if they don't take back long-term money. So, I mean, that's just, that is a consideration. I'm not saying that that's more valuable than getting pieces back for Westbrook, but it's consideration. Um, Yovan, let's um, let's head to the game here and and, and go watch uh, go watch Wenyan Gabriel score 35 points uh, against <laughs> against against the Warriors. Um, but I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, you know, this was great. I mean, next time we'll try to go even longer if we can. Um, Joshua, great news. Uh, we're telling our producer uh, Tanika to make sure that she cuts your comment and uses it in the promo because uh, this is going to be podcast. This is going to be saved. It'll be on the Forum Club Forum Club pod podcast. So, um, congratulations, Joshua. You just pulled the Forum Club promo. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.